Hello, this is Ruslan Malinovsky. Hello, this is Roman Yeremchuk. Hello, I'm Sergey Rebro. And you're listening to Ukraine Plus Football. He's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading football's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading football's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading football's heading east. Hello, welcome to another exciting episode of the Ukraine Plus Football Podcast, number one English language podcast on Ukrainian football. I'm your host, Adam from Ukfoot24, and as always, I'm joined by my two excellent co-hosts, Ray. Good evening, mate. Yeah, hello, everyone. It's going to be a fun one today. Plenty of topics to discuss. It seems like we are the great, one of the greatest turnouts in, the, um, in Syria is upon us. <laughs> certainly will be, certainly will be. And as always, back from Madrid, hopping in between all these European countries, Mr. Zoria London Scandro. How are you doing, mate? I hope you had a great trip. Hello, hello. Yeah, I did. It was good to see a goal from a Ukrainian side. We'll discuss more on that later. Although I think I'm a bit all spained out now. Been there sort of twice in as many weeks and very much ready to see something else on my travels rather than uh, anything Spanish. But yeah, looking forward to what after maybe last week where we didn't have much to discuss in certain areas, we're probably overloaded with things to discuss this week. So uh, it's going to be fun. Certainly will be, certainly will be. Yeah, last week uh, we complained about the lack of goals. We uh, The UPL answered and it was goals galore. And we can't wait to talk about that a little bit later on. But the big news, the big, big sort of grab there, blind news this week, was of course Mr Andrei Shechenko's uh, new job, new job. And Andrew, that caught us by surprise a little bit. Completely. Friday night, I think, there was some news after... Genoa drew their match 2-0, facing relegation. Fabrizio Romano and Di Marzio, they decided to reveal that he was first in line for the new role. It's Shevchenko's first role in coaching in club football, so it's going to be a completely different dynamic to how it was for when he was managing Ukraine for five years. And I think it will take some getting used to, and it's very much a baptism of fire. Because like I said, since the last result, Genoa have dropped into the bottom three in Italy and they've got like all of the top seven in Syria up against them in the next seven match days or something like that so it's going to be tough for Shevchenko to come in especially before he can bring in any new transfers or anything like that and obviously that's already started too nothing official of course or anything but local media in Genoa have already decided to do a quick shortlist of potential players that they could bring in as a result. So they've mentioned Zinchenko, because he's not getting much game time at Man City at the moment. Mikolenko, who's been linked with Syria for forever. Uh, Castillo, who plays for Milan and he's out of favour there. And Christian Pulisic, who obviously is at Chelsea, not getting much playing time, always injured. All four of those seem kind of unrealistic I don't know my number one bet for whatever reason is Andrei Yermolenko I could see him even going on loan there for the final six months of his West Ham contract or signing something where he'll end up going there basically Genoa have got a new ownership 
that bought them in September. So hence, this is what it's all sort of led up to with the new manager. They want a big name in there in terms of maybe not in managerial terms, but just in general footballing terms. We'll see what happens. Chivchenko has not got uh, Andrea Maldera joining him. I don't know what that's tied to. There's nothing official, but I've seen that Andrea Maldera's father passed away literally on the weekend. Maybe he wants to stay away from football for a bit. Who knows? But Mara Sotti will be joining Shevchenko as his assistant and so will Luigi Mocentini, who used to be an analyst slash coach at Dnipro 1 before joining Shevchenko and Tosotti at Ukraine for the Euros this summer. So all in all, exciting times. And like Ray said, there's going to be a massive, even bigger focus on Syria now, a return to focus on Syria. Maybe the early 2000s had not been this much hype in Ukraine. So <laughs> exciting times. It certainly is. I mean, it's, it's a tough job. I was just having a look at the squad that Genoa have got. And crikey, he's, he's, got, he's, he's going to find it very difficult there. It's like a retirement home. So I hope Yaramalenko doesn't go and join them personally. I mean, he'd be the, the new kid on the block, I think, at his age there. Pandev and... Casido and Berami and oh my days, oh my days. There's Ray, even there's even a say. story about the fact that Shevchenko has played with three of the players in his current squad. And I mean, he retired in 2012, so I think that says a lot. <laughs> yeah, it certainly does. Certainly does. I thought you were going to say there's a story there that Shevchenko's coming out of retirement to play for them, given the age bracket of some of them there. I mean, Ray, were you as surprised as us that he's chosen to go there? Uh, all credit to Shevchenko that he picked a spot where the the seat, which is, you know, it's like an electric chair, this, this coach seat in Genoa at this moment with this squad. He didn't go to Las Palmas or whatever, you know, into some comfortable club. I mean, Real Valladolid under Ronaldo. I mean, there's plenty of opportunities which, where you can just uh, train your, as you like, championship, whatever. And he picked this spot. He returned to Italy. He chose a club which is red-blue and has a griffin as their symbol. Uh, which, of course, reminded me of uh, my local club, Obolon. And let's not forget that Shevchenko is from Obolon. Uh, that's the place where he grew up in uh, Kiev, so it's all connected. But I would like to share a story about one of the players from Genoa, who is Andrea Masiello, 36-year-old defender, who apparently sold 15 games in one season in match-fixing and got two years uh, of uh, ban whilst the others got from three to life banned from football because of this, uh, because of this huge scandal in 2011. Of, um, even Antonio Conte got his, uh, I don't know, year and a half or two-year ban back then. So that was because of this guy who actually spilled the beans and read his teammates out as they like to say in Italy. So he's 36 now, he's in Genoa, amongst all those guys who we actually, who have much more praise than him, like Salvatore Sirigu, Goran Pandev, out of all people. And that, that will be something interesting to see. I mean, obviously, there's a huge context and a lot of these little details, you know, where if you dig a bit deeper, then that, that would be something of a story. If, of course, we know that Sheva is not going to behave himself. Like, you, we're not going to see these eyes we saw at his last press conference in Ukraine, like the, the way he looked at all the journalists present, 
No way, man. He's not the local out there. He is a visitor and he's going to be, um, I mean, he's going to take even more pressure than he took in 1999 when he first joined Milan. Because it was, as we know, it was easier for him. <laughs> he rested on, uh, in Serie A after Lobanovsky and he scored 24 goals first season. And what is he going to show now without Andrea Maldera, as Andrew rightly put? Mm. Just as a side note, I've just seen the team above them. And of course, it's Spezia. So Mr. Kovalenko could have some fun there relegating the, the guy who didn't pick him for Euros this summer. But uh, right, let's have some fun with this, though. Who, who would you like to see Shevchenko sign? Right. Uh, I would go for uh, middle class um performers uh sort of uh Tammy abraham but for Genoa, you know they should have found some guys by winter but christian pulisic fits the description perfectly i mean uh, these new american investors they're not interested in football that much it's all about you know uh capital and uh, uh marketing for them so that's why they pick Genoa, like the oldest club in italy and they we know that they asked for a coach with a name in football world and they got him. So we shouldn't be expecting any, uh, any huge figures in the winter transfer window. So yeah, I would go for a few loans and uh, maybe um, a couple of uh, players who uh, have something to prove, you know. And uh, as we know, previous, previously Genoa uh, loaned a couple of good players like Zappacosta and uh, Perrin, the keeper. So they'll probably go, come back to that practice once again. So that would be interesting to see, but no huge signings at, at all expected. Oh, you disappointed me there. I thought you were going to give us some great names. <laughs> Andrew, you've already put Yaramalenko out there. Anyone else you want to throw in the mix? Yeah, of course. So Konoplanka on the other wing. Uh, when Pulisic doesn't come in, well, why not? Uh, I think it's, <laughs> I think it's logical. Uh, maybe Andre Lunin on loan. You know that would be some good experience for him. Relegation, facing lots of shots, he'll get his time. And then be something to round off the fact that apparently Deserbi doesn't like Stepanenko so much at the moment. I know he's recently signed a new contract, but you know maybe a loan for. Stepanenko shore up uh, the midfield there. It's still, I'm naming a load of oldies, but I think short term, maybe Shevchenko won't be looking at development rather than just staying up would be a big thing. And I just think we should return to the fact that when he's going to be judged, if it fails, it's, uh, it's a bit of a foolproof job, this. If it fails, he can say he had a crap squad. Look at the position I started in. I couldn't do much with it. And then if he overachieves, like stays up and then, I don't know, leads into a top eight finish or something next season, he'll be like hailed as, wow, a revolutionary. So, yeah, so basically what we're looking at is that is he going to become one more Filippo Inzaghi, Seidorf or Brocky in charge of Milan? Or is he going to show us something else? Who knows? Who knows? I'm just going to say I'd like to see Sudikov go there. Now we know Shevchenko likes him and he does like him, so... And he's not getting much game time. So maybe a loan for him to Genoa. That's the one I want to see. In the midfield, maybe uh, the goalkeeper from Vorskla. That would be a, a shout as well. You say I go for development all the time. People like Mudrick for me are key. <laughs> Sorry, had to drop that one in. Yeah, of course. Moving on. Had to mention Mudrick. Tedious link, of course. Andrew's trip to Madrid. Uh, the man himself had a, a rather special night at the 
burner bag. I'm talking about Andrew, of course, not Mudrick. Andrew, do you want to tell us more about your evening? Yeah, it was enjoyable to visit the Bernabeu half-built. Currently resembles more the San Siro than the old Bernabeu. It was interesting. I mean, there was like more or less all of the lower tier was covered in some sort of banners and all that kind of thing. So the atmosphere wasn't probably as good as it can be. There was like an ultra section down below. Enjoyable. The Shakhtar end up in the corner right next to me because I couldn't get accreditation for this game due to COVID except it was too late for me to get a ticket in the away end so I sat next to them they had a few shouts but nothing nothing too atmospheric either and obviously the result had an impact on that because Sheffield lost 2-1 but showed an impressive match it was probably one of their best performances of the season and even though they lost they looked like they were playing quite well I think in the end they just lacked that finishing quality because they did get a few chances in there it just you know it just didn't stick the fact that they didn't have a, a proper striker <laughs> exactly and on top of that the fact that their defense just haphazard uh howlers with marlon is and dodo just we all just know that they're defensively incapable and obviously that came about in the first goal and that hadn't gone in who knows what would have happened but still, that overall, the main highlight, of course, was Mihailo Mudrik first start in the UCL and a great performance, really. I think he sort of uh, arrived on the global stage, you can put in inverted commas, for people that didn't know him, never heard of him, may have seen glimpses of him. But yeah, he was so impressive that when he was subbed off, he got a standing ovation from the Real Madrid fans, which I don't know how often that happens, but that must be impressive probably aided to his own ego that we know that he has got to be the kind of footballer that he is flary and all that kind of thing but yeah he i think it's evident that he needs to work on his end product got a goal against Colos, of course on the weekend to add to that but he didn't start in that game so you know there's this juxtaposition going on all the time it's like what does this guy need to do to start for consecutive games uh or whatnot, and what will happen in the future. But I mean, at the moment, it seems like this will be the breakthrough season for him in one way or another, as long as he keeps fit. Yeah, I def- definitely agree there. As you know, I spoke with him not after the game, but the day after, and he did send his thanks for all, all the best wishes that have been sent to him and praise. And yeah, we wished him the best for the future. This was before the Carlos game, of course, and he went and scored. It is, I don't think it is an issue. It's the sort of the size of Shakhtar's squad. Of course, you know, Mikhailo Mudrik, we want him to start games more regularly for Shakhtar, but Manos Solomon is, is there in that position as well. And we've seen Fernando start there, and they've got a whole array of wingers no center forwards just all of wingers there that seems to be the bigger thing Ray, would you, would you like us to have a word with Shevchenko to see if he'll take Mudrik to Italy or is he not ready for it yet? Right, guys, I'm, I'm only, uh, men- I have only mentioned match fixing once today. You started to be doing projection that all, half of UPL should play in Genoa now. <laughs> Doesn't mean anything yet. And hey, Olympic is not playing in UPL. So no one's joining Genoa from the first league of Ukraine, that's for sure. <laughs> well said, mate. Andrew, uh, the Shakhtar Kolos game. Pretty easy going for them. Colos, I imagine, didn't put up much of a, a resistance. Here and there, Colos probably played 
quite well for their own capacity, as we've seen them pretty poor throughout this season. However, Shakhtar have just pounced on the opportunities that they had. Fernando in quite good scoring form at the moment. Four goals in his last four matches. So, you know, you can't complain about that. And in general, textbook, really. And on terms of Colos, the most recent rumours uh, are that they're very close to agreeing a deal with uh, Roman Rehorchuk. Obviously, former Chernobyl Moritz Odessa. He recently won the Belarusian title with uh, Shakhtar Sarihorsk. What's going to happen with that? Because he's apparently been very selective in his recent roles. I think he was close to joining Krivbath, but he didn't want to join them until they got promoted to the UPL. And he's been linked with loads of other jobs in recent times in the UPL. But if he goes for this, I think it will be slightly strange because in the grand scheme of things, there doesn't seem to be so much perspective going on at Colos. You know, squad-wise, uh, just their prospects in general for, I think, the kind of manager that he is, where he likes playing in Europe or anything like that. But end of the day, we'll see what happens because they've been with, well, they got rid of Costition about two months ago and they're still playing with their acting manager and he's apparently given his resignation. And so two weeks now to try and resolve it before the EPR returns. It's a weird one. Very weird one. Yeah. Colos is a kind of a watch this space to see which direction they go in. They may disappear sometime soon. Hopefully not though. Of course, uh, they didn't offer much in the game against Shakhtar. But Shakhtar's great rivals, Dinamo, took on Vorskler and uh, Vorskler, of course, Ray showed a bit more in, in, in that game. Where's it all going wrong for Dinamo at the moment? We, you know, there was uh, a disappointing result in the Champions League, followed up by a disappointing result in the UPL. Yeah, well... There were uh, there was a series of matches for Dynamo which uh, had something written all over them. I mean, uh, two matches with Mariupol, uh, one by a whisker, I would say two three in the last game, and then and then Barcelona. Uh, well, nothing to catch out there. Decent results, both one nil losses. Uh, nothing shown in attack, but yeah, to round off the worst results wasn't expected, but it, it perfectly rounds off all these series of games which were. Uh, um, which you, you could feel something is, is in the air, you know, for Dynamo. And all, all credit to Maximov, the manager who, I don't want to be selfish, but uh, he was the, the last manager uh, for now who brought Obolon to the Premier League. And now he is with Warsaw, one more wide green team, third place again. I don't know, maybe he likes to conquer the Albanian and fin- Finland teams in the conference league. I don't know, why, why is he doing that? But... He keeps uh, making the difference and he played football against Dynamo. That's what he t- was intended to do. That's what he said. And we could, you could see that Dynamo didn't have much to offer against it. And Luchescu actually <laughs> blamed this uh, on himself. It doesn't happen this much in his career, in his uh, 77 years of, of life of this coach. I mean, yeah, great results. Uh, definitely a golden page in Vorsla's uh, history and Shakhtar and Dinamo are now level. They are, they are. Where do you see Dinamo's fundamental issues, Ray? I think striking for me <laughs> is, is the big one. Do you see anywhere else where the issues are? Yeah, we discussed it uh, the very moment Luchescu took the job and now we are experiencing the very outcomes of them. I mean, if you watch the highlights, you could see how Bushan talked to the referee when he was trying to tell him how to stand on the line and so on. <laughs> he just didn't care about the guy. 
I mean, he basically humiliated him uh, in front of everybody. I mean, he was just waving into his face. And uh, also, see Dorchuk? Have you seen this guy performing? I mean, I told you when he scored two goals to Mariupol that, it's, that it smells fishy. And there you go. He couldn't show anything against Barca. He was uh, too emotional. Let's say, let's say the least. He was too emotional against Warsaw. And um, yeah, it's, it's not the captain that Dinamo needs. But overall, uh, as I was saying about uh, Luchescu's appointment, and now we can see what his teams all have in common. Is that this um, perception of the game, this attitude which you cannot mistake with anything else. I mean, remember Shakhtar, the most hated team in the history of Ukrainian independent league. Uh, now Dynamo is taking over with the same kind of uh, lack of play, obviously. And they try to compensate it with their attitude, but it doesn't help. I mean, it's just looking, looking ugly, you know. And the problem is the coaching staff. To say to be to to sum this uh, this whole thing up, it's a problem, and we might see a downfall of Luchescu now. I mean, well, I've been saying it for for quite a while, but uh, it's been a long time coming, and uh, we should they this this should be something which should take us a um, a silver lining of change, you know, at least in the heads of. Uh, anyone involved with the club. Of course, we know that uh, it's probably not going to happen. And it's and just because there's nothing else, no one else to replace Dynamo on the throne. Harsh words. Strong words there, Borre. Uh, Andrew, do you agree with them? I agree in the sense that Luchescu, I think, certainly this season has been not found out, but there's just no progression, natural progression in what the team or where it's going. There's like no development. As in, we saw last season they won the league because they hadn't won it in so many years. So there was just this hunger to do it. We'll smash it easy. Also, the calls from certain people that we've had on the pod as well, that it was more of a revenge thing for Luchescu, who's motivated to get one over Shakhtar. That's all done now. And it's like, what is next? Luchescu's 76. I, he's been ill for a lot of the start of this season. It just seems that, well, it's like, what more can he do? And that was the problem when he first came. The fact that he's the 75-year-old who's not going to be pragmatic or anything. He knows how he's playing. And it's like, it's not actually going to aid any development in any sense. Yeah, okay, he brought in the likes of Zabadny and all that lot. But that was because he was forced to in the sense that Dinamo weren't going to sign anyone. So he had to bring someone in when he had all those injuries at centre-back. And you could argue that maybe another manager would have done the same. In general, he's done well to, you know, get respect out of the players and to get them performing to win the season that they did last year. And obviously this weekend's loss was their first league loss in just just under a year. Like 30 matches they went unbeaten in the UPL, which is, you know, no mean feat. But still, there's definitely, it just seems like there's a lack of progression, especially in Europe, in my opinion. Both the campaigns, this season's and last season's, have been pathetic, in my opinion, just in how they've shown themselves, especially when they've had the chances to play against weakened giants, in inverted commas, and they've just not taken it. They've played either the safe route or something like that. And even when they've played that safe route, they've ended up losing. So what, what, what was the point of playing that safe route? Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's just pedestrian football. They don't really know what direction they're going in up front. They've got all these forwards that they've brought in this summer and they still can't get a tune out of any of them. 
So I don't, I've got a feeling that it's something to do with management because if you just put in a coherent manager, maybe they'll be able to turn something out of how they're playing. Like just in comparison to Shakhtar at the moment, at least you can see sort of the link-up play that they want to do going forward. The irony is that Shakhtar are weak defensively due to the fact they've got poor defenders. If you, for example, mixed the way that Shakhtar attack with Dinamo's defence, that would be a good team, but sadly it's not how it works. Because uh, you'd end up with Shakhtar's defence and Dinamo's attack. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a, an interesting uh, episode of Bombardier or whatever other show we want to talk about. Uh, but anyway, I digress. Yeah. Lots of questions got to be asked about some of the transfers that were made in the summer as well there, don't you think, Andrew? Regard When these guys get a chance, none of them seem to take it. And I think even more concerningly is the fact that a lot of the the Ukrainian players who were, as Ray mentioned, brought in are starting to regress as well, even at such a young age. Um, what do you think about, you know, has Luchescu perhaps lost the squad? Are we seeing evidence of the fact the players aren't responding to him anymore? I don't think so. I just think it's the same. The, it's just that same old irony that, Players are comfortable at Dinamo Kiev, probably the majority of them. They get paid okay. A lot of them aren't really too much at risk of losing their position in the starting lineups, even when not performing so well. Not just based on the fact that they're a name, but on the basis that their natural ability is probably better than others. So yeah, I don't think there's going to be much difference until Luchescu goes, which I don't know when that's going to be. Maybe it'll be the end of the season, but... I wouldn't be so surprised if he just like left in the winter and be like, fair enough, see you later. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Get someone else in. That's yeah. it. <laughs> well, our final European representatives, uh, the guys that we've been sort of slagging off and beating to pieces for the majority of the season, once they finally listened to us, they've been unbeaten and carried on this incredible <laughs> run uh, this week as well. Two games, one in Europe, one in the league against CSKA and uh, Veres. Won by a total of five goals to nil. Now, yes, Zoria did beat the weakest team in their conference league group home and away. So now sit on six points. And yes, they did lose to Roma at home quite convincingly. And away in Norway quite convincingly. But since those performances, as Ray mentioned last week, the UEFA money has arrived and contracts and transfers are up for grabs. So we're seeing some vastly improved performances from some of their key players. Guys, any hope of second spot, given how poor Roma are playing presently in Italy? Are we being foolish to say it? Right. I mean, Skripnik was one of the candidates for Dynamo job back in the day. That's why he's probably uh, sharing this uh, Luchescu's European style of football, which is a uh, pedestrian football, essentially put. <laughs> it's uh, directly. And uh, yeah, he beat Leicester back in the day, but it was a, a swan song. Yeah, like you can say that it was a swan song of that Zoria season back there. And now, uh, he, this guy wants to leave, and he has nothing to prove. The only thing he might want is, uh, I don't know, uh, retire with style. I mean, retire from Zoria, not from football. And uh, he definitely needs a promotion, he needs a change, and he's craving for it. So I don't see any positive uh, 
um, outcomes from this. Azora is run by management, not by coaches. That's why, same as Dynamo once again, right? And um, yeah, it's, it would be good to see them battling Roma for a draw, but nothing, nothing much else. I mean, Norwegian football is on its rise these days. <laughs> we cannot do anything about it. <laughs> Andrew's nodding along there. Do you agree with that? I mean, looking at the group, I think Zoria need another four points from those two games. Three won't be enough. I think four points are, are what are needed. So we're looking at a draw in Italy and a win at home against the Norwegians if the, if the Norwegians are already qualified. I'm not going to try and pronounce their name in case there is a Norwegian listening and I may offend them. Uh, but uh, it's a tough ask. It is a tough ask. Now, we should talk about the rest of the league, but there's slightly more pressing issues this week, namely uh, the national team are, are back in action and have already reconvened in Kiev ahead of the, the friendly in Bulgaria. Uh, have we had the first press conference, Andrew? How did it go? Yes, we have. Uh, so... Zbina aren't playing in Bulgaria, they're playing against them in Odessa. So that's why, for anyone who wants to know why uh, Trodnomoritz versus Ruch was carried over from being a home game at the Trodnomoritz Stadium to the Viva Arena, that's why it was moved to preserve the pitch in Odessa. From what's been told by Petrikov, he had a few not controversial topics or anything like that. I asked him a question saying, will he use Zinchen quite left back? And he said, what do you think the answer is to that? Uh, so that was, <laughs> that was that typical reply. In that respect, don't think he's going to be playing left back for whatever reason after that response. But he was asked whether he's going to use this match as an experimental game to use, try out some new players or anything like that. And he said, no, this is going to be a proper, well, a warm-up preparation game for the big one in Bosnia next week. So expect a starting lineup that will similarly resemble what we'll see in Zanitsa in a week's time. And also he was asked who's unfit, who is fit. Uh, Yermolenko hasn't played obviously for West Ham in the final two matches he wasn't even in the match day squad due to the fact that David Moyes said he had a knock but he was training Monday evening so I think he's good to go for these remaining two fixtures and then I think the big one that everyone wanted to know was what's the story of Malinovsky he said that we've turned a new leaf and that's it so didn't want to discuss that in any more detail but seems that's been brushed under the cover, so all's good there. And he said that uh, Dennis Haramash is a player that can play in many positions. He deserves it, he's on great form, and that he will use him to the best of his ability once the time comes to it. So we'll see what happens with all of that. But in general, I think it's a positive, it's a positive window. I think there's been a lot of discussion. It's probably some of the best... Uh, collective squad that he could name on paper like there's not any injuries in terms of to any key players or anything like that so everyone here he could have called up he he did call up and then Ivan Pretiak who's probably the only player that may have got a call up based on form who's currently at Mol Ferekvar in Hungary and he scored like three goals in his last four games he was asked about that as well and he said that every Ukrainian player is on my extended reserve list but, uh, you know, he, he didn't elaborate further on that, really. So, in general, I think, you know, all eyes will be on Bosnia in a week's time. But just hopefully the Bulgaria game will be a 
good enough warm up to ensure that Ukraine can have a good game in in Zenitsa. Yeah, fingers crossed for that. And we'll be bringing out a special episode ahead of the Bosnia game, a little bit closer to match day. Now, Ray, what are you hoping for from this game? Is it a kind of a a trial match? For you, or are you hoping to see sort of the first team, the first eleven, put in a smashing performance? It's hard to say what are they going to be uh, showing off for. I mean, there is no reason to put uh, any of the uh, of the newcomers or the players who are performing well just to have a match played for national team uh, in their. Uh, statistics. So yeah, I would say that uh, it's going to be a squad which we might see uh, in Bosnia game in a little while after. And and I I don't feel I don't feel any I, I feel quite skeptical about it because uh, it doesn't it doesn't look good. I mean, although the guys are uh, uh, in good shape and uh, the season is uh, underway it's november and everyone is busy with uh, the big games but i get a bit feeling about this yeah it's i don't know friendly friendlies for me are just friendlies it's it, it is a weird weird one it's just the shame for zabina that the way the schedule's been that they're going to have this gap and have a non-competitive match before going into what's turned out to be the decider didn't have to be that way of course but uh you know it's the way the, the, the ukrainian draws. style the yeah ukrainian the, way, the, style. Each the way the the way the draws have landed <laughs> so it's uh and i think we should just point out that a draw will somehow work out if results go ukraine's way but we'll be yeah. discussing that more in our special uh, once we know the results ahead of yeah so just to confirm andrew bosnia play finland don't they earlier on in, saturday on yeah. saturday um what time is kickoff in the ukraine bulgaria game for our listeners so that's on thursday and the kickoff is 7 30 19 30 local time kiev time Brilliant. so make sure you tune in for that everyone Well, that would normally be it for our uh, episodes, but we've got a new concept for you tonight. And for it, I'm going to hand over to Andrew because I haven't got a clue what it is. (laughs) Yes, this week we're starting a brand new weekly game show to end our episodes. I've listened to a number of other pods. They've got something a bit more interactive that listeners can enjoy, maybe get involved in rather than just listening to the old discussions as we all have. So we're hoping that... When we have guests on the show and vice versa, we'll also be able to involve them. But this week, it's going to be a head-to-head between Adam and Ray to see who knows their jersey numbers. Essentially, it's a glorified guessing game because I think even Ray might struggle with this one because I've gone for some off-piste questions. So there's going to be five questions. So the person who's going to be asked the question first is going to be the person who can closest to guessing Dodo's squad number for Shakhtar. Who wants to go first? I'll go. Go for it. 31. Adam? 22. The answer is 98. So Ray is going first in the questions one to five. All right. So brace yourselves, guys. So we're going to be going in the same format. Whoever's closest to the correct number wins. 
Question number one. Ray's going first because he won the tiebreaker. Olaklujani is usually synonymous with one particular number throughout his career. However, what did he wear during his time in the UK, which spanned from 1999 to 2004? Ray. 21. 13. Ray gets the game off and running. 22. (laughs) He was one off. So how are we going to do this? Is the person who's the least off by the end of this uh, match wins? So as in the person who's least off. So Ray, you're on one. Adam, you're on nine. <laughs> We're making the rules as we go along here, guys. Yeah, but I like it's, this. It's all good fun. <laughs> Question number two. So Adam, you're going first this time. Ah, oh, superb. <laughs> Andrei Shevchenko returned to Milan for a season back in 2008-2009, scoring zero league goals in 18 appearances. What shirt number was he given? I've not got Scooby-Doo. <laughs> 36. Ray? 76. Ray's got it bang on. Adam, we're adding adding a 40 on. uh, I thought that was going to be a hard one, but Ray's on job. That's his birth uh, birth year. Oh, there you go. (laughs) Bloody hell. Okay, this one, I think, uh, who knows. Last week, one-time Ukraine candidate, Max Kilman, scored his first EPL goal for Wolves. What is his squad number? For this season, Ray, you're up first. 18. Adam? Six. And the answer is 23. Oh, so, Jesus. So, Ray, we're adding five to you. Adam, you're getting nothing. <laughs> we're adding, we're adding, we're adding uh, a, a good lot. old. <laughs> we're, adding a lot. A, we're adding 17 to yours. So, second last question. Adam, you're up first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Andre Voronin joined Liverpool and scored a surprisingly little amount of goals before being loaned out to her to Berlin. What was his squad number for Liverpool? I mean, he hardly played. He, did, he, did he even deserve a squad number? No, he didn't because he no. was a scumbag. But yeah, you couldn't see it because of his hair as well. It just <laughs> covered it up from what I recall. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, eleven. Eleven, Ray. I would go for ten. Correct, Ray. It is number ten. <laughs> so Adam, we're just adding a one to your points. Don't worry about it. Ray gets another zero. And for the final one, I think we've got a winner here, just on the basis, well, maybe we don't. But we're going to try and end on a high note. Uh, so I think, Ray, you're going, you're going first here. Andriy Yermolenko has been in a rich reign of form for Ukraine recently. But what number was he given on his debut for Zbirna back in 2009 when he scored versus Andorra? Number nine. Adam? I'm going to play it safe and say number is 10. 
So I'm only going to get plus one. <laughs> the answer was 14. So uh, I got that one. You got that I one. Was, I was near finally. <laughs> <laughs> if we were doing it based on rounds, uh, I think Ray wins 4-1. <laughs> if we're doing it on the actual number game, Ray was on 11. Uh, over par. <laughs> you were <laughs> 71 over par, Adam. But Super. It's, a like, it's, it's, it's a bit like it's a bit like my golf. <laughs> There's always next week, guys, where I'll be coming up with a brand new game that will probably hopefully be more entertaining than that one. But I hope you enjoyed. Yeah, what a great way to round up the show. Really is. But till next time, that is it. Ray, been another great episode tonight. Thank you for uh, putting me firmly in my place there. Thanks, man. Always, always a pleasure to um, beat a decent opponent. <laughs> I wish I'd been a decent yeah, opponent. Thanks, yeah. thanks for having me. And yeah, it's been a great one. Really has. Um, for any new listeners, mate, what are your socials? Instagram, Oblong Casual. Very. Great. Andrew, uh, thanks for making the game and giving me a total humiliation there. I really enjoyed it. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have, mate. What are your uh, socials? Yep. Zoe Londonsk on Instagram and Twitter. And bonus, I've been talking about it for two weeks, but by the time you're listening to this podcast, there will be a brand new episode of The Road Trip out. Please go and watch it and let us know what you think more episodes to come in the future and obviously be following the socials for when I'm on my travels to Odessa and hopefully Bosnia over the next couple weeks. That's great, great news, great news there. Um, that's it, safe. Everyone, till next time, of course, I'm Adam at Uberfoot24. You can follow me across the socials as well, but till then, take care, stay safe and goodbye for now. Head, please, please, head.